Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Batter Welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 135 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. Um, so as we record this on July 26th, Tuesday in the evening, the Mets are up five to two in the first game of the two game subway series. Um, they started the second half looking rather terrible with the offense looking hapless yet again. Um, A very familiar appearance all around. Yes. yes. Uh, they kind of ended the first half with a rather sad uh, offensive game. And then that carried over into the first two games of the second half. Uh, rather in a rather troubling way, um, but they managed to pull out a victory in the final game of the series against the Padres with a strong offensive performance to avoid the sweep. Um, and they head into this game tonight um, up five to two, having produced a a, a pretty good uh, offensive performance over the first few innings against Jordan Montgomery, knocking him out early. Um, and they are currently, as we speak, two games ahead of the Braves. Um, in the NL East, uh, thanks to our new favorite person, regrettably, <laughs> Bryson <Ugh>. Stott, <laughs> uh, who Which isn't a, even a name, but fine, isn't even a name, but fine. Regrettably, we must stand. Uh, he hit a crucial For the next like three days only. <laughs> yes, exactly. He had a crucial two run, uh, three run homer, uh, last night, um, in the eighth inning, uh, that put the Phillies over the Braves. 
um, and ended up being the game winner. So that was really clutch. It was the first um, home run. It was only the second home run that AJ Minter had given up all year. And it was the first home run he'd given up to a left-handed hitter in since like 2019. So a that's great time wild. for it. No complaints. Um, so as a result, the Mets fi- uh, have a two game lead again. Um, and I think the Braves might be winning right now. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, I saw that Matt Olson hit a homer, a three run homer. So I was like, oh, boy. OK, um, Is it, so- I think it's five nothing right now. Yikes. All right. Well, um, so there's that both the Mets and the Braves are winning currently. So if if things stay as they are, things will remain the same. Um, but the Mets have in order to address, um, their issues with, uh, with offense, uh, and other issues, the Mets have made two trades so far, uh, and plan on making more of them. I think, uh, they have made both the trades they've made so far have been with the pirates, one more significant one, one slightly less significant one. Um, they acquired uh, DH slash first baseman, Daniel Volkowak in exchange for Colin Holderman. Um, they also acquired catcher Michael Perez for cash considerations because, you know, uh, James McCann is still hurt. And Tomas Nito had like a scary moment where he got uh, he got crossed up on a pitch. And as a result, the pitch like struck him in the hand um, and he ended up coming out of that game because his hands uh, swelled up and he wasn't able to like grip the bat or swing. And so the Mets suddenly found themselves with like Patrick Mizika as the only starting catcher. catcher. Yeah. <laughs> So they were like, they were like panic and they acquired a catcher for cash considerations. But as it turns out, Tomas Nito is fine. Um, And James McCann is actually making a rehab assignment um, as soon as potentially Thursday, which is, I think, a lot sooner than people probably thought, um, given the fact that you're bleak in months. Yeah. Scherzer, well, his wasn't an oblique, right? Scherzer's was an oblique also, yes. And he was out a couple months. Yeah, he was. Usually obliques are a pretty long time. Maybe, I mean, I'm not privy to all the nitty gritty details on this, but it's perhaps that uh, James McCann's oblique strain is of a lower grade than Max Scherzer's was. Maybe he just has like a low level strain. And so speaking from my own experience of having once um, sneezed while I was in the front seat of a car, twisted around talking to someone in the back, (laughs) um, it took six full weeks for me to not say like, oh, shit, that hurts every five minutes. So (laughs) that's I'm going to apply that extremely general situation to every other oblique on the planet. I would say he needs six weeks. Yeah, well, he's going to be back sooner than six weeks. I mean, on one hand, I think the all star break like was a bit of a time warp. And I keep forgetting that, like, it actually has been a few weeks since James McCann got hurt. But on the other hand, I still think it's sooner than a lot of people thought. Um, but didn't he have an injury prior to that? Was it this? Was the hamate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hamate. He was off for a long time with the yeah. with the fractured hamate. So he was just back from that. And then he got injured again, sadly. Yeah, he um, wasn't around for long. Yeah. But obviously, the more significant acquisition of these two is Daniel Vogelbach. Um, I don't know about you two, but I thought that like Colin Holderman was a higher price than I thought that they yeah. would have to pay uh, to get Daniel Vogelbach. Um, that said, I didn't realize at the time that the trade was made that Vogelbach is not actually a rental, that he has a an option, which I believe is a team option for next oh. year. And then actually, because he was released 
he has one more arbitration year. So the way it would work is that in theory, the Mets could exercise his option for next year. And that would be, I forget what his option salary is. It's not that much money. Um, And then he could have another year of team control after that, because he, he could uh, have his like final arb year before free agency. So there's actually like two years of team control after this one built in to this. Um, and I didn't realize that when they made the trade, I thought it was a rental. And so with that in mind, I feel like it's, it's less surprising that the Mets had to part with, uh, like an actual, like seemingly guy. (laughs) And Epler said he tried not to include, um, Holderman, but the pirates wouldn't budge. Yeah. Yeah. So Um, there was no way that they would get vocal back unless they, they, Holderman. Well, the this pirates. could also be. I, I think this may also be a case of like selling high on Holderman, who I yes. like a lot. But there was there's nothing kind of about him as a pitcher that suggests that this would be like a long term success. To this, yeah, he had a velocity jump, and mm-hmm. I think that's been a big reason for his success. And he's been finally healthy. Like he's had a really injury riddled minor league career. Um, and so he's been finally healthy and he had a velocity jump. So I think those two things are kind of what has allowed him to have major league success this year, but Maggie's right. I don't think that necessarily is like a reason to bet on him for the long term, and that, you know, selling on him now is probably the right move when he, even though he's had statistically a very good, uh, big league stint, in actuality, when you look at like the roster role that he fills, he's not substantially different as like, you know, a piece of a roster than say, Yoan Lopez, Adonis Medina, like other guys that they have that are that same like optionable up and down reliever. Um, and that's the guy the Pirates wanted. So that's the guy the Mets traded. Um, and either way, they need bullpen help. Yes, they yes. need bullpen help. Um, and so, you know, Vogelbach is is a good fit for the Mets roster. He crushes right-handed pitching um, and cannot hit lefties at all. So he is a strictly platoon bat, and the Mets plan to use him that way. Um, for example, he was not in the lineup tonight against lefty Jordan Montgomery. Um, and so he is essentially the Dominic Smith replacement. Um, Dominic Smith is actually currently on the injured list with an ankle sprain. So it's not like he was, you know, optioned to AAA immediately upon Vogel box acquisition. He's injured. So he's kind of on the shelf for now. And when he is, you know, healthy again, I think I have a feeling that he's getting optioned again, or if he's even on the roster at that point, because he might be involved in some other trade that the Mets do very unclear. But uh, sadly for Dominic Smith, I think that his days on the major league roster, at least in 2022 are numbered more or less by the acquisition of Vogelbach. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mean, it's probably for the best. It, he, there's just, and like we said, he had his chance what we were like we were saying last week he had his chance and he just um he never sees the opportunity and now buck has gotta you know go with it's gotta be a meritocracy right now and dominic yeah. smith did not well and i really you know i i hope he is the the change of scenery guy yeah and yes, that there's so another hitting coach staff team vibe out there somewhere who 
can unlock what we have seen in Dom Smith in the past that that he has never been able to bring to the table with any consistency. So, and he even asked for a trade earlier in the year because he wanted playing time. Yeah. So, I mean, so it seems like he would be fine going somewhere where he has that opportunity too. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I hope that, I hope that Dominic's, uh, Dominic Smith is able to um, flourish elsewhere, but it just seems like it never really worked out with him and the Mets. Um, the Mets are still looking to continue to add in trade, um, and they are looking to get another bat, potentially the J.D. Davis replacement. Sorry, Linda. Um, but the the two uh, to sort of complement Vogelbach um, in that DH role is the other side of the platoon slash potentially someone even better than that, that would play like more or less every day um, with Vogelbach, like being mixed in there. Um, the strongest rumors right now appear to be either Wilson Contreras or Trey Mancini. Um, they were talking to the nationals about Josh Bell, but it appears that the nationals asking price on Bell, especially within division was too high. Um, so the Mets have moved on to focusing on Contreras and Mancini right now. The Cubs Mets rumors are the hottest. Um, there was a report that came out today in sports illustrated from Pat Regazzo that said that the Mets have discussed a trade package with the Cubs that would involve Wilson Contreras and closer David Robertson going to New York in exchange for quote, multiple top prospects, but none of whom are Beatty or Alvarez who the Mets are still considering off limits, at least in these negotiations. Obviously we talked about Juan Soto, which is seeming less and less likely for the Mets at least. Um, and Obviously, you know, Beatty and Alvarez would not be off limits in a deal like that. But for lesser pieces, the Mets are considering them. Or for Otani, who all of a sudden Mm. his name is like floating out in the universe, which like, yeah, I stopped breathing for a second there when I read that. (laughs) And like, like none of this is this is not like a real thing that will happen. Um, But man, you just you do love to hear it. Yes, you do love to hear that. Um, we did get a report uh, that uh, Billy Epler has checked in on Shohei Otani with the Angels. And, you know, uh, why wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, if, if Shohei Otani is even remotely available, I think that nearly any GM should check in on that. Um, and obviously, Billy Epler was formerly the Angels general manager. So it's not a surprise that he is at least giving them a call about that. Um you know, not getting my hopes up there by any stretch, but even the mention of Shohei Otani and the Mets in the same sentence is something to get excited about and something that would never have happened in the past. Same as Soto, like the Mets would not be in these discussions. It would not be talked about at all. But the fact that the Mets are even being discussed as potential suitors for these players is an exciting development. And people just can't tweet Epler with Otani without any context when you're first right. logging on to Twitter. <laughs> I can't see that. Right. No, it's very, it's, it's, it's quite the tease. It is. And I also, I look at the calendar and y'all, we have a week of this. A week of this. Yeah. The, the trade deadline isn't until August 2nd. But I tweeted um, this before, like. By this time in 2015, they already had Kelly Johnson and Uribe. Like, do something. I'm bored. <laughs> well, yeah, they, well, they, they didn't got, have they Cespedes yet. Uribe. They didn't have Cespedes yet. They didn't. Yeah. So the big well, thing what, is probably I, yet to come. I love, I mean, 
And of course, I love I love the Contreras Robertson combo because I think it it really like fills two of the mess- uh, biggest needs like immediately. Um, and if they would even consider doing it without the top two, either of the top two, then like, man, if, if we can't go for it now, like when? Yeah. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. You have um, to do it. If it doesn't and you cost don't stop at those two hours, either. You, you get another, it. you get another bullpen arm and you get another bench guy. Cause why not? Yep. And it's literally their two biggest needs like yeah. in one trade. So yep. I don't understand why they like what the hesitation is. Unless James McCann being close changes things. I don't know. I don't I think it does. Um and so. I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily like there's any hesitation on their part to get it done. I think that the Cubs, I don't know. I think that like, you know, there's still a week left and I think that they're still tweaking with the package, but I think the Mets are serious about it. Um, Like, you know, originally it was just, you know, a report, you know, I'm sure Pat Regazzo is well-sourced. He's certainly more well-sourced than I am. So who am I to say he, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm sure he does. Um, But I, something that gave this rumor a little bit more teeth other than just the one report was that Mike Puma was suddenly tweeting things like the reason that Mets like the Mets like David Robertson is because he can be treated as, quote, another lefty in the bullpen because he has pretty significant splits. Um, obviously, he has, you know, he has like a season ERA of like one point eight six or something. So he is fully capable of getting both righties and lefties out. But the Mets are hyping up his specifically his ability against lefties. Um, And obviously the Mets like not having a reliable lefty in their bullpen has been one of their problems this year Um, between Chase and Shreve being based, being unrosterable to the point where he was designated for assignment and Joely Rodriguez being inconsistent and lately being very bad. Um, So that was something that was tweeted that made me think like, Oh, this rumor is real now whether I think the Mets seriously are thinking they're going to use David Robertson as a loogie. The answer is no, (laughs) No. that's not why that's being tweeted by Mike Puma. That's being tweeted by Mike Puma because a, it's giving a little bit more teeth to these rumors and B I think it's being used as a little bit of leverage for their discussions with potentially other teams about other lefty relievers to be like, Oh, see, like, you could be the setup guy. We're not, you know, you'd have a role in this bullpen. We're talking about David Robertson as a lefty. Like, you know, that's how the game is played. Um, right. So, but well, I, the I also fact think that like, that's out there is If you get David Robertson, I think the idea is also that you don't need loogies in quite so many situations too. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, and um, also from the other side, Wilson Contreras he definitely seems to think he's gone. He oh, hundred percent. I mean, oh, he was yeah. crying on the field today. So he knows that was his last. He game was having a Wilmer Flores moment. He was having a Wilmer Flores. It was, you know, like one hundred percent Wilmer Flores vibe. And I should so. say, like, you know, and, and as especially a shout out to like our friends at Cup of Cubby Blue. Um, I also recognize that we are sitting here talking with you know much glee about yeah. the potential of Wilson Contreras coming over, and I do it's think I tough. just want to give a nod to. Um, how devastating all this is for Cubs fans. You know, he's been part of their team for his whole career. And I think it is really hard, you know, not just hard for Contreras to say goodbye to his team, but I think it's also going to be really painful for, um, for Cubs fans to watch him go. And so I'm just, just feeling the, the sympathy for 
my cubby ladies. And I definitely gentlemen. feel that too. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, Wilmer Flores is the perfect analogy for a lot of reasons, not just because, you know, of the crying and the hug watch <laughs> and all of that, but because of the fact that he was in at the time, you know, the reason why he was so emotional is that he had been in the Mets organization since he was 16 years old. Wilson Contreras has been in the Cubs organization since he was 16 years old. So it's the same sort of thing where it's like you've known one thing your entire life. Um, and it's very hard. It's very hard. And it's it's excruciating for Cubs fans to watch that 2016 te- 2016 championship team be torn down piece by piece by piece by piece. And just for um, money too. like that's not a rebuild because they feel like their system is really not that not that good. And they no. like did things like they like signed Marcus Stroman, you know, like yeah. they they like didn't they like didn't suck on purpose. They're just bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's rough. It's rough to be a Cubs fan right now. I sympathize with them a lot. Um, but I, the best thing I can do is promise them that if Wilson Contreras is traded to the New York Mets, that I will love him with my will entire heart. Such good care of him. Um, because that the idea of that excites me a great deal. And I think that I, I know that like, we talked about James McCann potentially coming back and that kind of complicating things. I don't think it actually complicates things all that much. I think the Mets yeah. will simply carry three catchers on their yeah. roster um, with, you know, Wilson Contreras catching sometimes, but DHing sometimes. And, you know, as a compliment to Vogelbach, like when Vogelbach is in the lineup, Contreras is catching. When Vogelbach is not a lineup, Contreras is DHing and McCann or Nito is catching. Um, and I think that helps, you know, especially with, especially with the the injury riddled season that McCann has had and the mileage that Nito has had to make up being the primary catcher for darn the majority of the season. I think that that helps keep those other guys healthy because they now have to catch much fewer innings. Um, I know that they're probably not happy about getting less playing time, but I think it'll help for their long-term health to have a third catching option available. They could hit more if they... You know, if they're thinking of ways that that could be different, hitting more would be top on my list. Yeah, exactly. But the one thing that I can see, I mean, even if it's not Baby or Alvarez, even if it's, I don't know, like Mauricio, um, Contreras could potentially just be a rental if the plan is Alvarez for next season so do they yeah, want to see keep... them resigning him so i don't do they like because they already gave up pete crow armstrong for a rental now they're giving up another like top three prospect for a rental so i don't know maybe the mets kind of are hesitant about that but at the same time he just fills so many needs right now i'm and... trying to win the world series yeah I was gonna say, to you're not gonna go for it now parades are better than prospects yes yeah. And I, well, mean, I think I, you can also argue that when they traded Pete Crow Armstrong, they were in a much worse situation. Hmm. And, yeah. you know, that also that that it was probably not the best choice. And I know that we talk uh, like people people talk a lot about, you know, how much Pete Crow Armstrong has developed into like a very good prospect. And that is true. I'm not trying to downplay that in the sense that like it is tough to, to see the Mets having parted with that because he's now basically, if not, if not the top prospect in the Cubs organization, top three, for sure. Um, like, it, and probably top two, like he's either the best or the second best prospect in the Cubs organization right now. But, 
you know, if you look back at that trade, it kind of did work out for both sides. I know the Javi Baez was not enough to save the Mets from pre-falling out of postseason contention last year. He did put up a 143 WRC plus for the Mets. He was very good for the Mets. He's now obviously having a hor- horrible season for the Tigers, which is sad and regrettable. Um, but, you know, he he had a good half season with the Mets. And we can't forget that we got Trevor Williams in that trade, too. I know that he was like the by far the lesser piece in that trade. But Trevor Williams has helped the Mets this year immensely. So, you know, that's something that I don't think can be overlooked when we talk about like, oh, no, we're going to regret having traded Pete Crow Armstrong um, and stuff like that. So it's just something kind of save the rotation from completely falling apart. For yeah, the, think for about the where they would there. be if yeah. they like had the exact same pitching staff, which is very good, but minus Trevor Williams. Think about how many more Thomas Sapucky starts we would have seen this year. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, a lot of them. And it would be <laughs> really bad. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now he has not been so exposed that they may actually be able to get some kind of value for him before the other teams figure out that. He just doesn't have it. Right. I mean, don't tell anyone. It is our <laughs> secret. <laughs> Maggie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been seeing that like a uh, Sapucky bandied about as like a potential trade piece. And I like, I mean, I have no insider info about this, so I don't know if these rumors are right, but I'm kind of just thinking to myself like, <laughs> God okay. bless if he has any trade value. At this point. <laughs> God bless. Um, yeah, I think the the um, even though the Cubs rumor has more heat right now, I think whether the Mets make a deal with the Cubs or the Orioles probably comes down to price in the end. And it probably comes down to whether the Oriole, Orioles are willing to add in one of their bullpen pieces with Mancini's to sort of make it an equivalent package to what the Cubs are offering, um, because the Orioles also have like solid bullpen arms, maybe not quite with quite with the stats of Robertson this year, but younger ones. Uh, Robertson is 37. Um, not that but- there's anything wrong with being 37 years old. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> there's the nothing wrong with being 37. Are 37. <laughs> and he is, you know, a proven, a proven closer TM. Uh, so like, you know, he's been there, done that on, you know, uh, contending teams and whatnot. Uh, so there is value in that, but, uh, the, the pieces that the Orioles would offer are, uh, a little bit younger, um, but probably don't quite have the the stats that Robertson has put up this year for the Cubs. So I think that like if if the Mets like if the Mets are able to get a relief arm in return from the Orioles also, in addition to Trey Mancini, then it'll just kind of come down to like which team, which team the price is right. And they'll go with that. Um, I mean, or something we're not foreseeing at all could happen because it's the trading deadline and weird shit happens sometimes. Nobody foresaw you on assessment before it happened. It was 15 so, minutes before the deadline. Literally. I don't even think Sandy Alderson really saw it coming. He no, didn't. I mean, he literally didn't like he was all in on. Uh, oh, my Gomez God. Or- yeah, exactly. And then. Oh, Comas. Oh, my God. I spent like literally a half an hour today. And all I could come up with was Carlos Correa, which I know wasn't true, but I was like, God damn it. I cannot lower myself to look this up. What is wrong with me? Gomez. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, that was the one we're crying thing. Yep. Although, um, I did see one rumor that was not associated with the months, but who could be available. Like I tweeted for the jokes, but I'm also semi-serious about it. Noah Syndergaard. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't think he'd come back to the Mets. I don't know. I well, it's not up to him, but he would certainly have some fire in his belly if he were to. Yeah. 
Yeah, I that's think. For sure. I mean, I think he would be very incentivized to impress. But yeah, no, I, w- I mean, wouldn't turn him down. But like, it's hard to see a match there. Um, and there have been a couple of other teams um, who haven't been connected to the Mets in any way in rumors, but are suddenly like rumored to just be like making everyone available. Uh, one of those teams is the Tigers. Uh, we talked about the Tigers last week. Um, when we talked about potential, um, you know, trade pieces that the Mets should target because the Tigers have several bullpen arms that could be helpful to the Mets, including um, including Chafin. We talked about Andrew Chafin, how the Mets should have signed him in the offseason and didn't. But he's le- he's a lefty. Uh, the Mets need lefties, um, regardless of whether they're treating David Robertson as another lefty or not. Um, and so Andrew Chafin would be a good fit. They have Giovanni Soto who's having a fantastic year and even old friend, Michael Fulmer, <laughs> bringing the UNS Cespedes, uh, trade, uh, discussion full circle. Uh, Michael Fulmer is on the Tigers and the Tigers are reportedly willing to trade quote from a, from a Ken Rosenthal report, just about everyone. <laughs> oh, wait, hold up. We got, uh, Francisco Alvarez has officially been named baseball's top prospect. Well, there yeah, that go. was the least that that was the most overblown announcement ever. I saw that tweet come up a few minutes ago and I was like, yeah. are you kidding me? That's but can the, does that raise his stock at all? Uh, probably. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think that on one hand, yes. But on the other hand, I think teams yeah. already have their own internal evaluations of Francisco Alvarez. And I don't think that's going to be swayed by him being named to any list. Angels, your catcher is Max Stasi. I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> he was on my fantasy team for like five minutes <laughs> when my other catcher was hurt. It's a rough five minutes. It was a rough five minutes. I Yes. Uh, we don't talk about those five minutes. Like, no time. offense to Max Stasi whatsoever, but, you know, in a potential Otani deal, wouldn't you want the number one prospect in all of baseball? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would. <laughs> I oh, would. Max Stasi stats. Oh, sorry, Max Stasi. They're rough. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The other team that uh, that is in reportedly not I wouldn't call it full teardown mode. The Tigers are probably in full teardown mode, but uh, the Marlins are reportedly listening to listening to offers on everyone not named Alcantara was the report, (laughs) which, yeah, if I'm the Marlins, that sounds outrageous and the Marlins tearing it all to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So they that, have a good bro pitching rotation. Yeah, I was gonna say, but that means a lot of that means a lot of good players. If you're talking about everyone not named Alcantara, like obviously Alcantara is the best player in the Marlins, but you're still talking about a lot of good players. That's Pablo Lopez. That's yeah. you know they, they have some relievers. They have some relievers well, that I'm, could be useful to the Mets. I'm like Richard the eighth Blyer. person to make this joke, but like get Birdie off the team. <laughs> John Birdie it would like, never have to face the Mets again. <laughs> Trade for him and just bench him all day long. He's like but, the modern day Derek Dietrich. Like, I mean, things- for, for real, he'd be a better, like, he'd be a better, like, pinch runner. Like, he'd be a better Travis Jankowski role than Travis Jankowski has been. No offense to Travis Jankowski. Well, and Jankowski <laughs> is the kind of guy who, you know, when we're talking about over the next week, obviously they need a big bat like a serious you know middle of the order kind of bad but they should be making all kinds of tweaks and picking up players like a better Jankowski yes who, you know can run well and he plays some really good defense but he's nothing at the plate and you can find guys like that who are somewhat more than nothing at the plate and They've that's exactly needed. the kind of thing they should be doing is like They've- the middle of the order but don't forget the margins They've always needed a better fourth outfielder than Travis Jankowski. Now, I mean, actually, the fourth outfielder is Jeff McNeil, but they've always needed a better version of Travis Jankowski. Now, if if Trey Mancini is the bat they get instead of Wilson Contreras, Trey Mancini does play outfield. So, but he doesn't play the role of pinch runner, late inning defensive replacement because he's probably worse defensively than their any of their existing outfielders. Um But that said, it kind of does like I would say Trey Mancini pushes Jankowski off the roster, whereas Contreras, it's hard to argue that he pushes anyone except J.D. off the roster. Like it's slightly different, even though they fill the same role as far as like mostly DHing um, complementary to Vogelbach is concerned. I think that they push different players off the roster, maybe. I mean, does Nito have options remaining? Ooh, that's a because good question. to me that I, I, I mean, that. not that I like want to be knocking Nito off the team, but you know, if no, it makes you wonder, like, no. is he carrying all th- no, he's no more, no, no more options. All right, fine, never mind. Then I will complete, I will stop this entire line of discussion. Yeah, <laughs> and I want, yeah, like, you want an overall. Like, you don't want to carry dead weight on your team. Like, if Jankowski is just a pinch runner, that's taking up a valuable It's not enough. I know that he's, I know that the Mets are going to be kind of, like, slow, minus, like, you know, Starling Marte and, like, Francisco Lindor and Brandon Nimmo. Like, those are starting players, though. The Mets are kind of, kind of lack that late-inning pinch runner without Travis Jankowski because, like you don't have like it's not like any of their other bench players can run. Yeah. You know? Like Luis Guillorme for all his he can be certainly be a late inning defensive replacement. Like Luis Guillorme is an, a fantastic defender and everyone knows it, but he is slow. He's not a pinch runner. Um JD is slow. Nobody on the team who's on the bench is fast, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. But again, like that's that's the sort of role player that you can pick up and not expensively so. Well, like, I mean, when the rosters expand in September, you could just pick up a random dude like that, like Billy Hamilton or yes, something yes. like that. Except and I, better than Billy Hamilton. Bill, better than Billy Hamilton. <laughs> uh, you can't steal first base. Um, 
the we we spoke about the Tigers. Now, Robbie Grossman is a, a player on the Tigers who would presumably be made available because they said just about everyone. <laughs> so presumably that includes Robbie Grossman, who's a very good um, who's very good at these things that we're talking about and a better hitter than Travis Jankowski by a long shot, a much better hitter than Travis Jankowski. Now, he's not anything to write home about, but he is someone that has the reverse splits of Daniel Vogelbach. So that is someone who, you know, I could potentially see as like, you know, not quite as exciting as a Trey Mancini or Wilson Contreras, but it would be like the tier below that. And it would be complimentary to Vogelbach and it would probably be like, you know, okay for the Mets purposes. And it would be like, you know, an upgrade to a a direct upgrade to Travis Jankowski at that role. Just something to think about. I don't know. There have been no rumors connecting the Mets to the Tigers at all. The Tigers are just willing to trade everybody. So um, you got to at least, I guess if you're Apple, you at least have to give them a call. Check yeah. in, check in on their relievers, check in on Robbie Grossman. It's like the arrested development. Like, oh my God, we're having a fire sale. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 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 <laughs> exactly that. Um, so hopefully, you know, we've got an exciting trade deadline in store. Obviously the Mets have already added a piece, but hopefully they have even more to come. Stay tuned. We will emote about them next week. Yeah. We will <laughs> emote, emote about whatever happens. I will be very emotional because the Mets will have just played. The Mets will literally be in DC um, next week as the trading deadline happens. And I will be at all three of those games. So I will be able to react to whatever they do like live and in person. Um, And the exciting thing is that Jacob deGrom might be starting one of those games. Oh my god. Which be, like we said multiple so times, cool. one of us needs to benefit from this. Yes. Can one of us please benefit from this? Hopefully he makes the season debut in DC. So he is Jacob deGrom is set to make his fifth and potentially final rehab outing on Wednesday. And if that goes well, he could make his season debut after that. Um, if he is lined up on, you know, regular five days rest, that would set him to pitch on Monday in DC. Um, the next time the Mets would need like a fifth starter would be on Tuesday in DC. So it kind of seems like a safe bet that it would be one of those two games. Um, as long as everything goes well in his final rehab outing. So, ah. <laughs> well, it'll be nice to ease him into facing, um, major leaguers with the literal the Washington Browns. nationals. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> sort of ease him in like taking a half day at work your first day back yeah exactly <laughs> it's exactly like that um you don't want to stress yourself your first day back <laughs> yeah. yeah it also it also sets him on turn to pitch one of the games of the double header against the braves on like like next saturday michael and i are going to the day game so i'm gonna lobby for the day game but i'll take either one um so that'd be exciting. You know, he he gets the stepping stone of the Nationals first. And it's like, all right, important game now. Very important. Let's go. <laughs> um, Trevor oh God, May. Can you just imagine how amped he is right now. Oh. I just imagine him like sitting in his, you know, hotel room in St. Lucie or wherever the hell he is now. I don't remember. He was with and, the and team. Just, like, he's with the team constantly. Oh, he's with the team. Okay. Yeah, he's but with the team. Right jittering constantly. Because he uh, he did a workout at City Field over the weekend on Sunday. I think this he is, like threw a bullpen or something. This is the problem with having children is that you never find out anything that happens on a weekend. Yes. <laughs> um, 
speaking of things that happened over the weekend, Trevor May began a rehab assignment with double A Binghamton over the weekend, uh, and he should be returning soon. Uh, quote, next Tuesday or so, according to Buck Walter. So that's exciting. Trevor May could well, be We back, didn't get but... it from Sleepy Corn Pop, though. We didn't get it from Sleepy Corn Pop, but <laughs> I'm excited about the return of Trevor May because, you know, if they add a bullpen piece or two and Trevor May comes back, then suddenly the bullpen looks in much better shape than it did uh you know even a week ago so that's that's exciting the Mets desperately need good version of Trevor May back um that would really 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 help (laughs) yeah all all of a sudden it comes it changes from a liability to almost a strength I guess depending on who they get though yeah um I mean if they got Robertson and another guy less than Robinson and then Trevor May, like I would call it a strength. I think yeah, that looks I'd like a, is. I think that's probably a top 10 bullpen because most bullpens are bad. Yeah, I'd say it is because if you look at the like straight numbers for bullpens this year, the Mets bullpen is actually pretty average um, across baseball, which makes sense to me. If you think about it, it's just like, you know, the Mets bullpen has been fine. It's just not a, a championship caliber bullpen and they need it to be that if they want to win and it's top heavy i mean certainly the overall numbers are skewed by the presence of a god among men in (laughs) so true so true um but yeah i mean if if you think about it if you've got david robertson slash and some other guy and then trevor may that kind of pushes like all of the like non like all of the guys that aren't the like three headed setup man they have been using, it kind of pushes like all of those guys off the roster p- pretty much. Like you've got like no, like no Yoan Lopez's, no Adonis Medina's, no Tommy Hunter's as sad as, as much as it pains me to say as a huge fan of Tommy Hunter. Um, like none of those guys that you would consider like fringe up and down to triple a sort of guys, like none of those guys would be on the roster. Although they did put Peterson in the bullpen. They did. So, and I mean, he gave up a run, but I mean, he didn't look terrible coming out of the pen. So that could be an upgrade. That's an experiment that may or may not continue. I think it's unclear. I think it depends on how many bullpen guys they get. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and Trevor Williams is back in the bullpen now too, as the long man. And I think he, he is there to stay because David Peterson has options and Trevor Williams does not. So and Trevor Williams seems to do better coming out of the pen than he is as a starter. Yes, he's done a very good job. Um, and I don't I- hate the idea, especially, you know, if he has a couple more promising outings, but then is pushed out by a numbers game. You know, I don't hate the idea of keeping David Peterson in the bullpen in the minors to get a better feel for that rhythm. Because okay. um, I mean, regardless of who the Mets pick up, they are perpetually in need of lefty bullpen arms and apparently allergic to acquiring them in free agency. So (laughs) yeah, that may be, that may ultimately be the role that keeps him with this team long-term. Yep. And uh, Anafino stays the way Anafino has been. He's been a pretty solid. Yes. He's been good. He's been the best of the like Seth Lugo, Drew Smith, Adam Anafino triumvirate that they've been using as like sort of the high leverage guys of those three. He's been the best. Um, So yeah, he definitely will continue to play a key role. I think moving forward, regardless of who they acquire. 
Um, I mean, he still makes me nervous every time he comes in, but I think that's just me having PTSD at this point. He's going to have like he had a couple of early prominent failures. He did. did. Yeah. But he's been very good lately. Yeah. Very good. Um, So, yeah. We'll so see. while we're talking about the bullpen, can we talk about Diaz and the All-Star game? Because we oh, mentioned that last week. Yes. Uh, we need to shout out good guy Edwin Diaz because, you know, I, I like everybody else, was upset that I didn't get to see Edwin Diaz in the All-Star game. Um, but it, it turned out that it was Edwin Diaz himself who advocated for David Bednar, uh, Pirates reliever, getting the ninth inning in the All-Star game when the AL was up three to two. Um, it wasn't just so that his was idea. Really nice. He like actively advocated. Oh, he for like it. pushed for it, pushed for it because it was Bednar's first All Star game, and Diaz had been there before. What a guy, man! That's you just love to see it. We make you like, I don't know if you read the article, but it, he said like Bednar was like uh, he was shy, and he well, he was like he wasn't going to say anything, so he's like, so I had to go do it. <laughs> and it's not just like you know, it's not just that Bednar was it was Bednar's first all-star game. That was definitely a factor. But like, if you think about it from, you know, a fan perspective, like the Mets had other guys in the all-star game. We got to see Jeff McNeil start at second base and we got to see Pete Alonso come into the game. Um, but and Pete Alonso the, was in the Derby too. Correct. Uh, yeah. But the Pirates didn't have any all-stars besides Bednar. So if, if you're a Pirates fan watching the All-Star game, that would be the only that's the only chance you get to see your guy. And if he doesn't come in, then you don't get to see any of your players. And that sucks. You know, yeah, that's why that rule exists in the first place, even if it's annoying and means that some guys get snubbed sometimes because you have to have one player from every team, even the worst ones in baseball. Um, you have to have one guy from every team. Uh but I think that it's a good rule in the end, especially since the All-Star Game doesn't count for anything, which I think was a good change. Um, it is for the fans. Yeah. Because it's, it's an fan game. Exactly. Yeah. So every fan base should have something to get excited about watching the All-Star Game. And so that was the Pirates fans' moments to get excited. So I support it. I was I was salty in the moment. I was um, too. I'm I was fine blaming Snicker. I was definitely blaming Snicker for it. I was asleep. Because <laughs> I feel like Edwin would have put on a show, but... but then there the but then you do have the jokes about like oh he just gave it up because he knew it was a non-save situation. Yeah, he's been oh. good in non-save situations this year. Been. That joke <laughs> is over. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, yeah, that that's died this year, thankfully. <laughs> Because I like turning it on. That was one of the main things I wanted to see. I wanted to see what he could do with the adrenaline pumping and on the big stage because we haven't seen that from him yet. So I was, I was pissed. But to get and like the rest of baseball deserved to see. We'll get our chance to see Edwin yeah. Diaz on the big stage in the playoffs. Yeah, I'm not that. I'm not worried about. Yeah. <laughs> and like in the in the article too, it seemed like Bednar's whole family was there, so they got really excited when they saw him come in, and then they got to see him play. So it was it was just a really a really nice thing, right? Wholesome by moments. We yes. love it. So now let's trade for Bednar. <laughs> yes, right, right. I don't think the Cubs, I'm not the Cubs. I don't think the Pirates are giving him up all that easily, considering he has many years of team control. <laughs> I think like they should have gotten both Lubach and Bednar. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So I wanted to bring up some other like kind of around baseball news. Uh, the we didn't talk about the uh, the Edwin Diaz story from last week. Another thing that happened last week that we didn't really have time to cover in last week's show that I do want to cover um, is that actually when I was in Chicago is when this news broke. Like I was sitting there. It was like it was like a, I, it was like a moment where I was like, I'm having a very Chicago moment right now because I was like sitting there in the restaurant eating deep dish pizza when this came up on the local news. We're using <laughs> a spoon or I was using a fork. Regrettably had to eat pizza with a fork, which, oh. was, you know, Whatever. Um, but I was sitting there uh, eating my local, you know, novelty item uh, when on the local news, on the TV, in the restaurant, I saw that the news broke that the Chicago Cubs were being sued by the U.S. government for failing to make Wrigley Field accessible to folks with disabilities. Uh, so basically, they've been violating the Americans uh, Disabilities Act. And specifically um, that they've done renovations without improving accessibility, which is exactly you know, which is yeah. the whole like the ADA doesn't say that like any random building owner has to just drop everything and make it accessible. Maybe they should. But in any case, the, the law says that if you're going to do renovations, accessibility has to be part of that or, you know, renovations of a certain, you know, a, a certain scope. Yeah, um, it's basically I mean, it's it's uh, specifically, I think, like a big piece of the lawsuit is targeted at ADA seating, which like is now really bad with the renovations like that, like you can't like they aren't good views of the stadium, basically, like it's just like really shitty views. They like put them in the corner and it's like not like folks in wheelchairs, like you don't get a good view from the ADA seating is my understanding. That's like a big part of this. Yeah, um, I'm reading the article now, like uh removed the best wheelchair seating in the stadium failed to include it in the new premium clubs and stuck it in the last row of the bleachers where it is blocked by drink uh, drink rails or fans standing up to cheer so like they basically like took out a lot of the good ada seating which is horrible <laughs> like yeah it's, do it's that. not easy to become less accessible but you know <laughs> they managed to, the to do it to find it. a way yeah right um aim like, for the in- sky y'all like in addition to like, you know, um, cravenly tearing down your beloved championship team, they continue to be utterly shitty in other ways. <laughs> like, ugh. so I mean, I say this as someone who like just went to Wrigley Field and absolutely loved the experience. Obviously, I am not a person with a disability. So like, you know, I am privileged enough that I had an awesome time and I thought Wrigley was like amazing. Everyone deserves to be able to experience that um, and in all of its glory, you know, Um, and so to make it less accessible with the renovations is just like inexcusable. Um, Earlier in the year, weren't the Ricketts interested in buying the soccer club? Yeah, I think so. The 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 fire. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like they're claiming poverty. They can't even put in like ADA compliant seating. And but then they go and want to buy a soccer club. Like you can't have it both ways, guys. Either you're poor or you're not. Well, I mean, this renovation is, you know, 
was primarily meant to increase access to premium like clubs and seating, which is the real moneymaker for the team. Mm. So, you know, like that's the, that's what this is about. Right. Like they are they with they with this renovation, they had in mind the people that have the most money that can give them the most money and screw everybody else. And like also, I mean, there but for the grace of God, like let's not assume that there's any owner, any owner in the game who isn't thinking in the same way. Yeah, let's just keep our own house clean before we uh, throw stones on that one. But yes, yeah. So just worth noting that that lawsuit is active. We'll keep you guys updated on how it proceeds. Um, and hopefully, hopefully there can be like, you know, an amicable settle- settlement of the matter without this being like a long drag out fight. It shouldn't have to be. They should just like, you know, address the issue. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll also say um, anyone who missed it the first time around should check out our early episode. I mean, I think it was one of our first like 10 or 15 episodes um, called Put in a Ramp, where yes. we talked a lot about um, accessibility at City Field. Yes. You know, again, like not a perfect uh, accessibility Eden by any chance, by any means. So, yeah, we talked specifically about the public transit yeah. um, and the, the, the uh, subway stop that's by city field that is not accessible, like at all. <laughs> and nothing's changed. I don't think since no. either. Nope. Nothing on the, the, the station side, although in the years since, you know, speaking of like ADA issues, you know, the, the MTA has, started to get a little a little more aggressive with their plans on um, improving accessibility in their stations. So I don't I don't know the specifics. I know their plan is like a 30 year plan to make 95% of stations accessible. Oh God. <laughs> um, but and I don't know where the the Mets Willis Point station would fall on that, but you know <laughs> certainly in the next 20 to 25 years. Yeah. I could see Cohen kind of boosting them to the top of the list, though. If he wants to revitalize the whole area. Lord knows he has enough money and influence to do that. And and like and and big, you know, big uh, organizations do that kind of thing all the time. Like I work at Columbia and a few years ago, they, you know, wrote checks for part of the renovation of the 168th Street station because it looks terrible and it still like mostly looks terrible, but, um, <laughs> you know, they, they combined their forces and, you know, these two like dinosaur agencies managed to get like something done. So I was saying like, it, it may, there's precedent for kind of a little team up action on that. So hopefully, yeah, that would be really nice to see. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, these, these types of big sweeping public transit projects, like I'm always going to be like a champion of public transit. Um, they always take time. Um, and so like progress is going to be frustratingly slow, but hopefully will happen. <laughs> hopefully you know, it will progress. Will progress in some way. At the bare minimum. <laughs> just yeah. a small, just small progress, baby steps. That's all we want. That is all we want. I would um, also like some big steps. Yeah. <laughs> One can hope. So um, another uh, another random thing that I kind of wanted to cover and just like take a moment to appreciate um, was, you know, though, like it is not often that I am one, especially me, 
to give any sort of props to the Washington Nationals or anybody on the Washington Nationals. But this is the rare moment where I'm going to do it because (laughs) um, Victor Robles had a fantastic (laughs) moment this week. And I again, it's like the Bryson Stott moment where it's like, regrettably, I must stand uh, this NL East rival. Um, So. The backstory to this is that the Arizona Diamondbacks were kicking the butts of the Washington wait, wait, wait. Nationals. Hold on one second. The Yankees put Chapman in the sixth inning. They did. Chapman is no longer a high leverage reliever. Yeah, because he's bad. Because he's is not he? having a good He's bad for reasons beyond the reasons that he has been bad. So he, who's their closer? <laughs> Clay Holmes. Oh. Yeah, he's been their closer. I mean, because he was also, Chapman was also injured for a while. Chapman was injured for a long he was time. injured but I assumed he would just be the closer when he came back. Oh, no, And then no, no, he no, assumed no. it too. No, <laughs> probably. No. Clay Holmes. So Clay Holmes assumed the closer role when Chapman got injured and was so good that they had no choice but to keep him at the closer role. And Chapman's been bad even when he's not been injured. He has like a 5.75 ERA. Well, then can the Mets like tee off of him? That would, I, that'd be nice. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I certainly like bad. that. Sorry. Um, yeah, I'm no. sorry, this was just a breaking development. Chapman has fallen down the totem pole like considerably. Oh, um, <laughs> so the the background to this Victor Robles story is that the uh, the Nationals were losing by quite a large margin to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, and Victor Robles hit a homer off Madison Bumgarner that ultimately ended up being a meaningless homer. And it was kind of like the Jose Siri situation with the Mets, if you guys remember that, when Jose Siri hit the meaningless home run against the Mets and kind of stared at it a little too long and Eduardo Escobar got mad at it. So it was kind of the same thing where Victor Robles admired his homer and uh, Madison Bumgarner being the red ass that he is did not take kindly to that. But, you know, Eduardo Escobar just sort of like said something to Siri directly and I think was like probably a little bit more professional about it. Whereas Madison Bumgarner just called Victor Robles a clown and was like a huge asshole about it. Um, so Victor- Mad Bum being a whole big D bag for no reason at all. I Shocking. cannot believe it. Yeah, she's breaking news. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the other thing. Is that, over like, with a feather. Is that Mad Bum has a uh, history of, you know, being a red ass. Uh, so Victor Robles- ride a dirt ba- a dirt bike, you dummy. Yeah, really. Yeah. Uh, Robles responded to Madison Bumgarner calling him a clown with the following quote uh, through an interpreter. When he's pitching well, he's able to celebrate and do what he likes to do. It seems mm-hmm. like he calls everybody a clown that actually has a big hit or home run against him. If he doesn't want anyone hitting a home run against him or having any issues with that, then just strike people out or make better pitches to where he doesn't have to worry about that. Boom. Get owned. Yeah. <laughs> that was so good. And well, then- it does always seem like it's these these big tough guys who, um, you know, who want to be able to like pump their fists or whatever when they get a strikeout. But the second anybody is excited to hit a home run, they're like, wait a second. Yeah. Well, exactly. Isn't he the one that Bryce Harper threw the bat at? Uh, yes, that seems to ring a bell. Yes, I think that was. I thought it was him. Yeah. Which in that situation, I'm the one on the sidelines going fight, 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 fight. Like you were both <laughs> in the wrong there. Like you do not throw a bat. But yeah, still, that was like- awful. Um, Garner kind of invites that kind of violence. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, Victor Robles said the correct thing, which is basically like, oh, you don't want me to pimp a home run, make a better pitch, (laughs) which is great. And then as if that quote wasn't good enough, 
the next day oh, he came so into good. the dugout and put a clown nose on, which is <laughs> amazing. <laughs> I love like I love the idea of, of just the image of him like heading over to the dollar store and getting a clown and, like, nose. Just, like, fucking <laughs> like, around guys, I need right one clown nose. <laughs> Hello, please. I'm professional baseball player Victor Robles. I would like one clown nose. <laughs> oh, incredible. So good. I'm pretty um, sure baseball reference uses that as his picture now, too. Oh, do they? That's awesome. Yeah. I support that wholeheartedly. Um, so in in other like NL East happenings but that end he, up oh, go ahead. But then his manager called him out. Yeah, yeah I didn't like that. No. Davy Martinez, boo. Managers being at old school. I mean, like that was always gonna happen. If you recall, Come uh on. Uh, when the similar analogous situation happened with Jose Siri against the Mets, Dusty Baker benched him the next day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that tracks. So, like, managers are going to be old school about this stuff, but, like, I don't know. I Like, in Madison Bumgarner's case, it's just, like, this is something he needed to hear, uh, and so I think it was good the way Victor Robles handled it. I appreciated it. A great <laughs> Somebody else said, I think so. That isn't the first time someone's put on a disguise in the bullpen and in the, in the in the dugout. They tweeted Bobby Valentine. Yes. <laughs> uh, so good. Like, so come on, let them have fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so in other like sort of heated NL East adjacent uh, heated exchanges, um, Things were got a bit contentious between Nick Castellanos uh, and reporter Jim Salisbury of uh, of NBC Sports Philadelphia in, uh, you know, in a postgame interview in the Phillies dugout uh, where it was basically the like the like new that's a clown question, bro. Um, But basically, like Jim Salisbury, to me, both of these men look bad in this. I think that Salisbury probably deserves like more of the heat, but I think that they both kind of look bad. Basically, Salisbury asked Nick Castellanos a question that was clearly bait, which was basically like, have you heard the booze? Not just like, which was, I think that was such a bad way of wording that question because not only was it bait, it was like meant to get a rise out of him because he could have asked it like, you know, how are fans you happy? How do you feel about the way the fans have been reacting to your to your poor play or like whatever? Instead, he was like, have you heard the booze? Which, like, of course, he hears them. They're very loud. <laughs> if you've heard a Phillies game recently, the booze for Nick Castellanos, who's been underperforming a great deal, have been loud. Um, and, you know, this is this very much harkens back to like the Lindor Baez thumbs down thing where, you know, the player gets booed and the the media constantly makes it a big deal. And so Salisbury was like, do you hear the boos? And instead of just being like, yeah, I hear them. Like, I need to play better. The Like, the fans aren't happy and, you know, I need to step up my game or whatever, which he could have done to defuse the situation. He just was like, that's a stupid question. <laughs> which means like, what, what, what do you think? I went deaf. Of course I heard. Them. Like, that's a stupid question. And he said it over and over again. That's yeah. a stupid question. That's a stupid question. And basically flat out refused to answer it. And instead of just like letting it go and just like being like, OK, clearly he doesn't want to answer the question. Salisbury like doubled down and like got in his face and was like, it's not a stupid question like like they deserve to know blah 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 and like got in his face and so then it got like really ugly um and they were like yelling at each other and it was basically like uh someone had to kind of step between them um, i'm guessing that was, was philly super PR. uncomfortable 
It yeah. was very uncomfortable. Um, but the reason why I bring it up on the podcast, other than to other than, you know, this is a continued theme that we talk about often, like relationships between players and the media. And, you know, the Mets have had issues with this in the past, like Matt Harvey, the media treating him like shit and him refusing to answer their questions. And understandably so. And the way that, you know, the media can prey on players in a negative way. Um, but interestingly enough, like this kind of became even more relevant to this podcast when um, the bigger story here is that um, Matt Gelb of the athletics decided to like harass the original person who posted the video of the exchange. So the person who posted the video of the exchange is um, a woman who works for like one of the local news channels, ABC sports. Yeah. She's their sports anchor. She's their sports anchor. And so I guess because she's like, not a Phillies beat writer or something. Matt Gelb of The Athletic like took exception to the fact that she like tweeted the video of the exchange and was like, nice of her to come to the ballpark for once and like blah, blah, blah. And then it was, like it felt so like randomly and unnecessarily aggressive. It was, it was. So aggressive. And then like and then Jamie, who's the person who tw- who tweeted the exchange, responded to his like nice of you to come to the ballpark once in a while. Sar- like unnecessarily aggressive, like sarcasm saying you realize you do realize I don't choose when I go to the ballpark. Right. It's not my job to be there every day. I go there when the situation wants me to. It's my job to anchor the sports do feature stories. And when our cameras capture something of interest, it's my job to put that out there. And then Matt Gelb responded to her by saying, I'm sorry, you have zero standing here. Congrats on all the retweets. Come talk to me here at the ballpark, which is like so gross. Like like she doesn't cover just the Philly. She's a sports angle. She covers like she the Eagles training camp. She covers the Phillies. She covers everything else going on. So why would she be at the ballpark? There's just like so much like loaded gross language there. Like, yeah, telling a woman she has zero standing in the clubhouse or like amongst baseball media. And then like the vaguely threatening come talk to me at the ballpark. Like, yeah, meet me at 66 feet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. like meet me outside. Like this is so freaking weird. Like, why are you being so weird about this? What's and then, wrong like, with all you? The other Philadelphia media doubled down on it. They started backing him up. And it's like it wasn't a coincidence. It was all old white men too. Well, because they had because mm-hmm. she made their boy look like an ass hat, which he was. Which he was. So he now they bad. all got to protect their boy. That's what it comes down mm-hmm. to. Yes, yeah, because it's the boys' club. Jim Salisbury, from my understanding, is like a highly respected member of the baseball media, which fine. I'm not trying to disparage the work that he's done. I, I've read some of his work and I don't pretend to be an expert in it because obviously I don't follow the Phillies on the day to day. But I have read his work, you know, like we put a lot of his stories in Mets Morning News when we're doing the NLE section of the morning news. So I've read plenty of his work. And it's good. Like, you know, I'm not trying to disparage him or say he's not a good reporter or whatever, but that doesn't mean he can't be wrong. He's in the wrong in this situation and it deserves to be like exposed or like, you know, it's a story. It's a story that, you know, this this reporter acted aggressively toward a player and unprofessional and it deserves to be out there. And all she did, all Jamie did was post the full exchange 
of between Salisbury and Cassianos and said, what are your thoughts? She didn't even like have an angle. She didn't, she didn't editorialize. No, she just posted the exchange and said, this is what happened. What are your thoughts? Yeah. And Matt Gelb basically accused her of like farming it for content, which is like, this is a story though. It's, it's the news. It's her job to report the news. <laughs> yeah, she probably showed that clip on the seven or the six o'clock news or the 11 o'clock news that night. She probably used that clip for it. It's just like, it was just so like wildly, like, like such a wildly disproportionate response and just like so aggressive and rude and like, you know, clearly the, the, the dynamic is gendered, whether he meant it or not, whether he intended it or not, that dynamic is gendered being like oh. you, you woman have no standing here. Oof. And like I have my family in Philly, I go to the Jersey Shore for from vacation. I've seen Jamie Apodi plenty of times. She's fantastic. I've never had an issue with her work anytime we watch local news down there. Like, there was just no basis to come at her like that for. Yeah. Just, like, totally blindsided, out of nowhere, no reason for it, just It seems like she was caught off guard, too. Anybody would be. Yeah, it's just, it's literally the old boys club uh, banding together to make another woman feel unwelcome in sports reporting. That's, like, all this is. And it's so gross. Like, but then this also goes back to the athletics saying, oh, you can't tweet about like political issues, but they're fine with their reporter attacking a woman. Yeah, literally, you're, you're not fine with your with, you know, your anybody who works for you having like the opinion that like gun control is good. But then like, you know, you're OK with your reporters harassing like other reporters online. Very cool. Very yeah, good. Out. Yep. Normal yeah, stuff. I mean, he was tweeting the next day from the game, so it's not like he got suspended or anything. He was back doing his job. I'm not even sure he got it talking to. Probably, Probably not. not. He didn't say anything. He doubled down on it. He Because then he tweeted, everybody's an expert. Oh, my God. What a baby. She's literally a sports reporter. Yes, she's a sports anchor. <laughs> Just because she's not a Phillies beat reporter. Jesus Christ. I was going to say, she's still very good at her job. Like I said, she has to cover multiple sports, not just the Phillies. Well, she has to be good at her job because any crack in the armor and and that's it. You know, there's not a lot of wiggle room for women in sports. Yeah, any non... a long time, too. Like, I remember going down to visit my grandparents and I think she was there. So I want to say she's been there good, like, 15 years. Yeah. And you know that any like any non cis het white dude is probably pretty darn good at their job because they have to be twice as good as any cis het white dude to get that job in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, and I, I this is only like this is only a little bit um, tangential to the conversation, but I also want to give a big old shout out to Jane Lynch for reminding us all that women can be shitty too. In making yep. herself yeah. the Twitter main character of the day by out of nowhere, for no reason at all, complaining about women's voices in podcasting. Absolutely so, nowhere. I Just don't know, know if my voice is to her liking, but <laughs> I also don't care. <laughs> Sorry, Jane, so that I didn't it. purposefully Thanks, lower my voice. For us. Yeah. 
that I've was great. always that was hated my voice like that didn't help matters <laughs> I still hate my voice it's like <sighs> Jane please boo boo no one at like literally no one asked for your opinion about <laughs> Although, did I tell you that time I went to a game and the person in front of me goes around, turns around, and he goes, wait a second, do you have a podcast? <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah. And he was like, you're Linda, right? And I was like, oh, yeah. He was like, you have a very distinctive voice. That's amazing. I love that. I was like, oh, my God, I got recognized. By the you sound made of your it, voice. Man. I made it. I have fans. Uh. So and like, that's I without even Jane Lynch approving your tonality. Yeah. Huh? And without even Jane Lynch approving your tonality. So look how far look you get that. Look, Imagine look if that. you had a nice lady voice. That's yeah, helpful. seriously. So the, we're gonna call that a win. <laughs> All right, I'll I'll try to make this uh this final segment Jane Lynch approved. <clears throat> and now to end our show this week. We will end the show with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball related or otherwise. Maggie Allison, Wiggins. You would get hired by NPR tomorrow. With Thanks. That. Maggie Wiggett, what is your walk-off win for this <laughs> What's week? my walk-off win? My walk-off win, I have one of these every year. And my walk-off win this week is we had a beach day. Yay! Oh, and it was, I mean, this is oh, our- beaches are the best. I mean, I love a beach day. And this marks like our third straight beach day, uh, like this particular beach. And I don't know what it is about the um, the Orchard Beach, Bronx, Pelham Bay Park, Shoreline, Long Island Sound vibes, but- I've never not had a beach day there that make that hasn't like made me feel just radically better about my life and humanity. It is just the most like soul cleansing thing. Um, And, you know, we had a great time. The kids were super happy. Um, A couple of our neighbors who I always borrowed beach gear from have since moved and gave us all all of their beach gear nice so i felt very like decked out we had like a chair very fancy um and it was just a beautiful day it was the last it was the- it was no it wasn't the last day of heat wave because the heat wave just kept going but it was like pretty peak heat wave it was very heat e but um it's just a beautiful beach and it's it was a great day to be at the beach i um i had a brand new bathing suit that i felt like a million bucks in and um, I got a terrible sunburn again. Um, but that's always that's the thing is anytime I get a sunburn, it's usually because I've been having a much too good time um, to be stopping and thinking about the frequency with which I personally should be reapplying sunscreen. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And it was just beautiful. I just felt like I felt like vitamin D was shooting out my fingertips for like the next three days straight. That's great. And, and it's like a little addendum to that. I, the day before we randomly decided to go to Highbridge pool and I was just reminded about how much I love that pool. And like most city pools, um, from your public health perspective, city uh, public pools are significantly cleaner and safer than almost any private pool because they're heavily regulated. But, um, you know, just a reminder that like the city has all of these fantastic pools, free, um, and it's just, it was just another beautiful day there of just like 
just drenching myself in the best cooling h2o that the new york city parks department has to offer and i think everyone else should do the same thing amen i wish that i had access to a body of water because this summer has been the past few days have been very hot but that's one of the great things about summer is that you can go to the pool or go to the beach and i wish i had done that (laughs) this past weekend (laughs) um linda serovich what is your walk-off win for this week uh, my walk-off win is well, they lost, but going to the to the game on uh, Saturday, I wanted to get my Captain America Funko, and I got my Captain America Funko because <laughs> I love my Funkos. And as soon as I saw the promotion, um, I quickly got tickets, and um, so the, so it actually wasn't bad. I actually got pretty good seats for like it was reasonably priced. Um, but he's so cute. And the details they put on it are so cute. Like on one side is the little Mets patch. And on the other side of his arm is the Captain America shield. Like they put a lot of thought into it. And he has the little five on his chest. And it's like, oh, now he can sit with my Jacob deGrom Funko. And I'm still debating about getting the Max Scherzer one because it has multicolored eyes. Which is- uh, yeah, I love the uh, <laughs> the heterochromia Max Scherzer yes, Funko. It's, so it's fantastic. Good. It's so good. Um, so yeah, the game sucked because they didn't score until the ninth inning, but my man's got a hit and drove in a run. So that that was enough for me. And then the woman next to me, she came wearing a Diaz shirt and around the eighth inning, I was like, I don't think we're going to see trumpets today. And she goes, no, and that's my man. And, um, and then he came in. So she was like, I don't care what else happens. I'm just blessed to see him on the map. Man, if there's anyone better than Mets fans at finding something to enjoy, I don't know who it would be. Exactly. Because we have a lifetime of this. You have to find the good. Exactly. So, I mean, Nito grounding out in the game was not great (laughs) because they had the tying run at third base. But um, at least, you know, we got a little bit of action there. It was the first time I ever saw Bassett pitch. So that was a close game. Bassett pitched great. And I did not make use of it, but I do have to give the Mets props. They told everybody they had cooling stations set up since it was a really hot night. And they told you like what sections they were in. That's good. So I thought that was a really good idea. Um, because yeah, it was it was a really hot, muggy, muggy night. So, but and they had multiples. It seemed like they tried to get one on each side of the stadium, and um, it seemed like they had them in multiple levels too. So it seemed good that they put thought into it, even though I did not make use of it. And I got the new triple play shake from the shake. Ooh, was it like good? The, I want to get it next time. It was amazing. Oh, yes, I'm so excited. I'm gonna. Get I waited a time. full inning for it, and it was the only thing I ordered. But it was amazing. <laughs> oh, I'm getting it. I'm getting it next Saturday when I go to City Field because I've been so like I've been thinking about the porchetta sandwich from uh from cento per cento for like months now because i was gonna eat it when i went to the keith hernandez game but then i had covid and couldn't go to the keith hernandez game and so i i'm like now i can't get my sandwich and i will spend more time thinking about this sandwich so my official plan because the next time i'm going to city field is not this coming weekend but the weekend after the doubleheader against the braves the day game i'm gonna get the cento per cento sandwich and the triple play shake that's my plan. Mm. 
I like uh, well, that Although one. I did get Sweet Chick and that was really good. Mm, yeah, Sweet Chick rules. Like I did, that was my first time getting Sweet Chick and Sweet Chick was good. And then we also, Petlafritas has a wing place too. And we oh. got their wings. Oh, their that wings seems, were fantastic. That sounds new. Where's good that? Good to know. It's um a little bit further down from Shake Shack. If you're heading towards left field, it's down like back there. Good to know. Duly was, noted. Yes. It was well, and also on foodie notes, and I'm excited because I'm sitting there um, in the middle of August, is there adding food trucks to yes. the Coca-Cola corner. Oh, that's so cool. So that'll be like a rotating selection. And right now they have bagels. Yes. Oh, heck yeah. It's Utopia bagels. Which are supposed to be legit. <sighs> well, everybody, every, um, well, it seems like every beat reporter went down and got these bagels. So if you check mm-hmm. out, I think, Tacoma, Healy, and I think somebody else got Laura. Them. No, she is COVID. She was mad. <gasps> she was. She was the one who told us about it in the first place. So I just assumed. Nobody else gets to enjoy it except me. So I'm sorry, Laura. <laughs> How long are the bagels there? Do we know? I think they said it's for the rest of the season. I think they said every year it's going to rotate. Oh, okay. That's exciting. At Ooh. least that was, I think, the plan. Um, but don't quote me on it. Now but I want I, a bagel. I think Laura Albanese oh, has. Sorry, this Allison. Oh, that I had been. I had the sandwich plan was so solid, and now it's been throwing into chaos. But you can also, you can also get a bagel. I can. Yeah, it's I was gonna say if you get there early enough, you can like plot out your food choices. I know. I know. Okay. Okay. And it is going to be like an afternoon game. So it's kind of like a good time to have a bagel. Ugh, I don't know. Ugh, okay. Well, it's no bad time to have a bagel. the menu. You can get the cowboy, which is chicken cutlet, melted American cheese, bacon, and barbecue sauce. Oh, that sounds so good. It okay. does sound good. But I also, my first thinking is like, that's not a bagel. Yeah. That's a sandwich. These are two different things. You yeah. can put a sandwich on a bagel, but then it's not a bagel. I can't explain it. It's I, yeah, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Um, <laughs> The sweet fielder, which is cracked pepper, turkey, avocado, Munster, lettuce, tomato, and tomato and mayo on a plain bagel. That sounds like a delicious sandwich. But finally, you could get the classic bacon, egg, and cheese on a plain bagel. Now we're talking. Yeah. Yes. So you have, you have options there. So many options. Okay. Okay. Mm. This is, this will have to be Mm -hmm. like a a soul searching moment for me. I'll have to, I'll have to think about it. You go, because you tweeted yesterday, Tuesday at City marks the return of the Coca-Cola corner with a new food truck that will rotate vendors each season. So that was okay, corner, according to Laura. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So the bagel's an option. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, that could be exciting. Okay. So now I have to think about that. But um, my uh, walk-off win for this week is also a culinary delight of sorts and also a respite from the heat of, of sorts, although not in a body of water sort of way. Um, on Sunday, um, I played soccer at 1130 a.m. when the heat index was 102 degrees. Oh, Allison, <laughs> it was it was rough scenes. Let me just tell you. Oh, um, and it was a turf field. So like oh. if you're familiar <laughs> with turf fields, like if you like if you have a certain temperature and it's really hot, when you go on the turf field at about five degrees and that's how hot it feels on the turf field because those black beads that they use to make the turf field like radiate the heat back up. So I'm telling you, it is like an oven when it's really hot. Um, So yeah, it was, it was like really rough. Um, I mean, like, you know, 
I'm glad that I got the exercise and I love playing soccer and it's something I enjoy and something I do voluntarily because I like it. So, and you know, we're this, glad that you survived. This was something yes. I signed up for, but still <laughs> it was, it was very hot. Um, and mostly, mostly my, my feet were just like baking. Like I like they were in my cleats and I was like, I want to take my cleats off and my socks, my feet are so hot. I'm going to die. <laughs> um, but I survived. Um, and afterwards to like treat myself as like a, a cool refreshment um, because I don't go up to this area of the city of DC all that often um, in uh, in the neighborhood that I was in playing soccer. It's called Shaw, the neighborhood. Um, there's this tea place called spot of tea that I've been meaning to try for a really long time because people, people who don't know me, people may not notice about me, but I'm not a coffee drinker. I only drink tea and I love tea. Um, all kinds of tea, literally every kind. And I especially love bubble tea. And I have yet to find a good bubble tea place here in D.C. Um, but this place, Spot of Tea, is really, really well regarded and has extremely good reviews online. And it's just like I haven't been to it because, again, it's like not really close to where I live. But I was happened to be in the neighborhood because I was playing soccer. So I like I was like, after the game, I'm going to go to Spot of Tea and I'm finally going to try it. And it was amazing. <laughs> so um, it, I had mango yuzu bubble tea and it was fantastic. It was so good. I was so happy. I was like, oh, see, now the pitfall is that I'm going to become addicted to this tea place that is like really far away. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to like, you know, like take like a, a 30 minute metro ride once a week just to get tea. <laughs> bubble tea is really good, though. Yes, it is. Um. And so, yeah, that, that's my walk off win is just that I found a fantastic tea place in D.C. and I'm obsessed with it. It's called Spot of Tea and they are great. Um, you can follow them on Instagram. They deserve it. Their beverages are also very aesthetically pleasing because uh, they like they make like a blue jasmine. And so it's like a very pretty blue color. Um, so very Instagrammable and whatnot. Um, but it's also like legit. It's hard to find like really legit good bubble tea because a lot of bubble tea places like they just make the like flavors out of like syrup basically. And so it's just like very, very cloyingly sweet and like artificial tasting. Mm. Um, but whereas this tea is like fresh brewed tea in house and they make it every day and it's like not artificially sweet. It's like, and they actually like, you can, you can control your sweetness level. You can either get it unsweet, light, uh, like barely sweet, lightly sweet sweet or like very sweet <laughs> there's like four sweetness levels you can get wait is um, one of them zero sweet at all because that's always yes. a, that's my battle that I always I love iced tea but like I don't want even like a shred of sugar in it like not even a thought of sugar yes you can get it unsweet oh, um excellent. which is great because again like most of the bubble tea places when they make like, you know, peach bubble tea or passion fruit, they're just making it out of syrup, right? They yeah. they have a tea base and they put this flavor syrup into it, which I'm not against, you know, like there's a time and place for that, but it makes it really cloyingly sweet. Um, and this place, it's not like that. Like the, the syrup is not in it. You, they have like a base tea that they make, like it's actually flavored with real fruit, like mango. And then mm -hmm. like, they can either keep it completely like not like unsweet or they can add a little simple syrup to it and like make it to your sweetness level. So I am generally like a completely unsweet tea person, uh, but just for the first time trying it, I did the like number one, like the very lightly sweet level. Um, and I thought that was pretty good. So 
Um, I'm probably either going to do that or not sweet at all from now on. But it was just nice to have like a bubble tea that's not just like made of syrup and is really good. Um, I like the sweetness. So I'm yeah, but again, if you like the sweetness, you can have it. <laughs> I mean, they the won't even part. let me return to the South after my feelings around tea. So I think you are. I think Linda, your, your position is, is very well supported. So yeah. Like if you are a sweet tea supporter, they will make your tea very sweet if you want it. So it's great. It just like, I just think it's great that they like allow you to control that because most places don't. Yeah. Um, so yep. That's my walk-off win is my new favorite tea place in tea place in DC spot of tea. Gonna definitely make my way back there at some point, make the pilgrimage (laughs) back to get my bubble tea. Um, so that does it for the show this week. The Mets are still winning five to three in the top of the eighth as we speak against the Yankees. Adam Adovino. NPR voice, your NPR voice. My NPR voice. Adam Adovino got out of a jam. No, it's too high. You gotta, you gotta get it down like another half an octave. I know. Go to good. I don't think I can physically do that. It's hard. It's really hard. You can't. Um, but anyway, so that <laughs> that's very exciting. Hopefully the Mets hold this lead cross fingers. Um, but in the meantime, you can go to amazingavenue.com, Check out all of our fantastic content. We've got all the trade rumors, um, all the game recaps, all the morning news posts, all that lovely stuff for you guys. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pot of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petit PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Cerovich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. You can subscribe to this podcast, Amazing Avenue Audio, wherever you get your podcasts from. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. You can also email the show, own at gmail.com. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in home.